0: I've been in this league for over 10 years before me and you met and uh, and, I will, and I played 13 years of pro football and I learned more from you in two seasons than the rest combined. Uh, not just as uh, X's and O's but more importantly coach was how to be a good teammate and how to be a good dude and, and uh, I thank you for that and, and the guys in Toronto are going to be extremely lucky to have you uh, on both fronts.
1: Welcome to The Waggle, everybody. Alongside Davis Sanchez, my name is James Cebalski. Thanks so much for dropping by. we got a fun episode, and we'll get right into this. A huge week for the Toronto Argonauts, and joining us on the line, the new head coach. He is back in the CFL, the head coach of the Toronto Argonauts, Mark Tressman. Coach, welcome to The Waggle, and congrats on the gig.
2: Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, and, uh, and uh, thanks for having me.
1: How did this all come about or at least when did this all start to go down in terms of I think your name got floated around in the fall but you know the real scuttlebutt that this might happen started about 2 weeks ago but from your standpoint when when did this legitimately start becoming a realistic possibility?
2: Well, I I only think it was uh you know very recently maybe in the last week. It's it's kind of been a blur, a blur. But uh you know probably in the last week with um you know, Jim and, and, uh, kind of uh, them really being focused on Jim, uh, you know, we started to talk about it a little bit and think about it.
1: So who calls who calls who first? Is it, is it, is it Mike Copeland who calls you? Is it Jim who calls you or is it just, do you reach out or, or what happens?
2: Oh, I don't know if I want to go into all that. I just think that it, uh, you know, kind of just worked itself out that, uh, you know, there was good communication and sincere and honest communication that, that, uh, you know, went went down and, um, you know, we, we decided that uh, everybody decided it was in the best interest of the Argos to give this a shot and, and we're really excited about it. I mean, it's good to be back with Jim. Certainly he's a big factor, you know, going in because uh, we work together. We know each other, you know, how we kind of think and operate and what's important to us and, uh, you know, our value system. So, you know, I think that it's just uh, kind of an alignment of the stars really as Jim described you today. That's really what it was.
1: Why is it a good fit for you?
2: Oh, uh, that—that's a good question. I, you know, I'm, like I said, uh, I think you have to be comfortable with the people that you're working with, the comfortable with ownership. You know, I'm, in Montreal, I was always really comfortable with our owners and the people that were involved there at, at upper levels, and you know, I felt coming in after after spending time with, you know, the the ownership here and and uh, seeing that the, their their communication with with Jim and how things uh, happen, it just uh, it just, as I said, just kind of seemed to work itself out.
0: Coach Davis Sanchez, I uh, first of all welcome. Who? Yeah, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> oh, coach, good welcome- to be with you, Davis, oh. I'm very proud of you. Thank you, Coach. It's uh, I was I was telling James earlier. I sat there during the press conference this morning, and I was smiling from ear to ear. Um, so glad to have you back, and and so we're so we feel so lucky uh, as CFL fans to have you a part of our league. Um, I've been. In this league for over 10 years before me and you met and uh, and I will and I played 13 years of pro football and I learned more from you in two seasons than the rest combined Uh, not just as uh, X's and O's but more importantly coach was how to be a good teammate and how to be a good dude and and uh, I thank you for that and and the guys in Toronto are gonna be extremely lucky to have you uh, on both fronts
2: That was a privilege to coach you Davis
0: I want to tell, I want to tell a little story of how, uh, how, uh, when we first met coach, uh, I don't know if you, you, remember, you remember, I'm sure you do remember this. You're laughing. So I know you do remember this. So in uh, 2008, your first year up in Montreal, obviously you come with uh, great credentials and a huge football history, but not knowing, you know, not being involved in the CFL me as a 10 year veteran at the time, uh, I wasn't sure quite how to, how to take it. And, and I didn't know if I was going to exactly <laughs> buy into what you were selling coach So Few days go by, and you know, I'm being probably my regular self and kind of feeling you out and seeing you know, you, you demanded a lot. What's regular self? Though? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> he, well, coach didn't whatever it was, coach wasn't loving it. So, <laughs> one of one of your friends, Coach Trespin, came up to me about after about three or four days of training camp, and he came up to me and he said, Davis, he said, uh, he said, you've got to, you have got to go knock on Mark's door and sit down and talk to him. He's a great man. You guys have got to sit down and talk and see if you can somehow see eye to eye. At this point, me and you had never had any conflict or anything, but there just wasn't something vibing right with us at this time. From the time I went, I went to your door and knocked on your room door at the dorms. We sat down and talked. Uh, From that moment on, I think that we had a a mutual respect for each, not think, I know we had a mutual respect for each other. And, and I was someone that you know you you could count on and you could lean on uh for the rest for the rest of the time we spent together but I just I remember those that day and it was uh from from that moment on uh, I knew that I we had something special and it was uh it was very interesting I, I, do you remember that conversation I do
2: yeah. I do uh,
0: it was uh, and,
2: uh that was the, that's the fun part of coaching is uh you know when you can really have an authentic relationship with the players that you work with and knowing you know the boundaries, but also knowing that uh, you can help each other get better, and you helped me become a better coach because of that.
1: So, so shed some light on this, Davis. Just for that conversation, what was it that you saw in Coach Tressman that made you a buyer? Then all of
0: a sudden, because obviously you said you were kind of skeptical at first. I think for me, it was you know once you sit down and talk to someone and kind of see where they're coming from, it's a different. You have a different perspective, and I think for with me and with me and Coach. And I, and I said this yesterday when, when I heard the coach was going to be coming to Toronto. When the players see what the coach, coach's realness and the investment that coach puts into it every day, how prepared he is, how genuine he is, how authentic he is, and how much he cares... You buy in as a player, and the people in the organization buy in because there's you will see you can see through a fake anytime. Coach Tressman is as real and as authentic as there is, and he's as well prepared as there is. So, there's a trust factor that comes in. And I think, as a player, when you're on a team coached by Mark Tressman, you'll see that and you'll buy into that.
1: Mark, I mean, who, where do you get that from? Is there a coach that influenced you like that uh, to go that way, or is that just you?
2: Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that's a it's really hard to respond to to what Davis had to say. I think that, you know, you go through you every, each of us are on their own journeys. You know, I tell the guys that all the time we are on an individual journey and you're on a, a journey each and every year with your team. And, you know, I've been on a journey that's been filled with uh perceptual success and perceptual failure and real success and real failure. And I think uh, on that journey, I've just, uh, it's just helped me grow to, become a better version of myself each and every year. And uh, I just try to share that with the players and, uh, you know, as Davis kind of put it in as authentic a way as I can.
0: Coach, you, you stated today in, in, in the presser that uh, that Ricky Ray would be the starter as of now. Uh, what what brought you to that? That surprised, kind of surprised us as Ricky's getting older, didn't see what, I didn't know what the future had for Ricky. What, what made you make that announcement now and, and uh, before the season starts?
2: Well, I think you make the right point. We don't know what the future holds for Ricky Gray. Um, I haven't seen him play in recent years. Obviously, we would talk about him and we saw him play together. You know, when we were together, um, Davis, and uh, we know the kind of player I would call him the Houdini of the league because he would find ways to make plays when we felt we had him wrapped up and down on the ground. And uh, I just felt that he's entitled as a Hall of Fame player, as a Grey Cup champion multiple times, that, uh, he should not come into training camp and into mini camp, uh, being put in a position where he has to prove himself or compete for the job. And I wanted the team to know and the organization to know that, um, I, although I haven't seen him, I, I know what he can do when he is healthy. And, uh, and as we talked about, quite honestly, him and I honestly talked, uh, uh for over an hour the other day that, um, you know, if he felt that he couldn't do it, that he was in the best shape he would possibly be, and he was passionate about playing, but, you know, the, the physical stuff on the field wasn't coming to flourish, and we would talk about it and we will work from that point of view. But I didn't want to start um, my, my tenure here with a quarterback controversy or a quarterback competition. I just don't think that's the best way uh, to start. And I think that uh, everybody in the organization in the locker room will buy into that until proven differently. And if it's, we, it proves differently, how we'll work from there drew willie uh, understands that and we talked about it yesterday as well
1: you have like you, you touched on you got drew willie in addition to ricky ray uh, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt and a lot of discussion and suggestions that you as an organization may go after a former nfl quarterback and a ncaa star and johnny manzel what do you know about johnny football and and what about the possibilities of working with him
2: yeah, it's funny. I've been asked that question uh, four times today, and it's it's fascinating to me. To, you know, number number one is I, I I'm not big at watching college football, so I didn't see him play uh, in college in college at all, and I've only seen him play sparsely. So I'm the last person who can evaluate him as a football talent. You know, obviously I'm aware of some of the things that he's been through uh, during his time in the National Football League. I'm aware of that, um, but I, I I really don't have an opinion on his talent at this point.
1: Can you explain that, you know, Davis, when Davis and I were talking before this interview and it's come up countless times when your name is mentioned as, as, as a coach or in football circles that you're a quarterback guru, you're great, you're known for a great reputation of developing quarterbacks or working with quarterbacks. Where does that come from? Is there a relatability that you see with these guys or, or, or what is it specifically, Mark, that, that, that you thrive in an element to help make the most important position on the field better?
2: Well, I think that's pretty much overrated. You know that that it's a great perception to have, but I don't know how real it is. You know that's that's for somebody else to talk about. But you know, I've been lucky. I've crossed paths with some some guys who are are extremely bright. They're uh, relentless in their desire to be great. Um, they're extremely tough because you know that when you have to go into a meeting room, if you're not ready, they're going to just break you apart but also they're uh, inspired uh, by a coach who will come in there and they know he's totally prepared and has the answers that they need to get the job done, which is the most difficult job in all of sports. So, you know, I haven't been perfect. I've I've crossed paths with quarterbacks that I don't feel I've, I've gotten as much out of them as I could have or should have because as a coach, you always want a, want a player to believe that he can be better than he than he even thinks he can be. That's part of much our job. Uh, so um, you know I don't know like I said, I've been lucky to cross paths with a lot of good ones and uh, for whatever reason the chemistry's worked and I've, I've had a uh, I've had the opportunity to come across some good ones who I really didn't do a very good job of getting better or the results weren't as good as I would have liked.
1: You know, speaking of that and that answer, I have to ask you, and as a long-suffering Chicago Bears fan, can you talk about the experience, not only in Chicago, but the working relationship you had with a guy who's probably been known over the last 25 years as arguably one of the most polarizing players in football in Jay Cutler, or better known to a lot of people as Smoke and Jay. What was that experience like, and what was the time in Chicago like for you? I'm sure you probably would have liked to have won a Super Bowl, but... Can you talk about that what that experience was like and working with Jay?
2: Well, I only wish starting out that uh uh Davis could uh have been in the media in Chicago, it would have made my life a lot a lot easier <laughs> in terms of uh obviously the the media there is uh you know so expansive, you know, that uh you know they're gonna find different ways of looking at the coach. But but I loved being the head coach there and uh and I, I enjoyed coaching Jay. Um, First year, we, we, had a, we had a good enough football team to, to go to the playoffs. And in the last game, you know, we were beaten by Aaron Rodgers. But during that time, Jay had, you know, one of his better years. Um, he's smart. He's very hardworking. Um, the game is important to him. So I had a different perception of him than the, maybe the world has of him. And at the end of the day you know my feeling was in the second year after we paid him that i just didn't get as much out of him in the second year um that that we needed to get out of him, and we we weren't a very good defensive football team we were a very good offensive football team in year one and through injury and and otherwise we just weren't able to to play as well in year two and and uh ultimately when the quarterbacks aren't playing at a highly efficient level the coach that's coaching them and the head coach isn't going to be a very good coach and you know that's essentially what happened, but you know I had a I had what I would call a, a reasonably good experience with with Jay, and I think a lot of the negatives are overrated.
0: Coach, I, I want to give you a a little piece of advice. I think it's only fair I do so. Um, you know, a wise man once told me I wouldn't think otherwise. I wouldn't think otherwise. <laughs> if <Yeah. laughs>
2: if we had a conversation and you didn't give me some advice. Davis, I I wouldn't feel like we had a conversation.
0: That's right. You know, you're you're only li- li- truly listening to p- people after you, see, you hear silence after they speak.
2: That's right. Uh, so fire away.
0: That's right, Coach. <laughs> no, I just you know talking about that situation. I just want to give you a piece of advice. And when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And a wise man,
2: to you got it.
0: <laughs> Words to live that's by. A smart young man. That 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 is a is that, that is him? you know what yeah that's a that's something that me actually I was another another time sitting in coach's office and I was I was kind of you know going through it with some of the young knuckleheads on our team and I, I you know, this was at this point you know I had been I had played in four great cups I hadn't I hadn't won one yet and we, you know we were I was coming down to the end of my career and we had a really good football team and I, I some of the young guys just weren't getting it like weren't bringing weren't bringing their books and I can't I can't figure out how you could come to a meeting without a without a playbook or with without a pen and paper to take notes I couldn't figure it out. I knew the defense inside out but I got I've been there for eight years but there's a guy that's been there for a year and doesn't bring a pen and I'm losing my mind and I went into Coach Tress and I, we're talking back and forth about some things and and he tells me Davis you know what he says when you when you change the way you look at things, the, some of the things you look at will change. And I, and I thought about that, and I've really taken this. Is, Coach, that's really been a, a, a big help in my life. It has, though. It's really, if you take a look, if you think about that saying, it's really true. If you take a step back from things and look at things differently, sometimes really helps your perspective but that's something i've really lived by a lot of your a lot of your quotes i live by. i have a whole i have a whole book full of or a whole notepad full of coach Tress, coach Tress things but that's one of the ones that i that i truly love and another one that that, that the toronto argonauts are gonna the locker room is gonna live by and it's you only you only become a, a true teammate when you want to win for the guy next to you more than you want to win for yourself and i think that's uh... Yeah. I think that's something the Argos are gonna live by this year and, and uh and once you get with get that culture the way um the way it should be.
2: I'm glad you're living you're gonna be be moving our way. You'll have to come, come by and hang out with us.
0: Toronto from a
1: family standpoint, um why why is that an easy sell to the family or was it a was it a hard sell at all?
2: Well, you know, the family's in a different place. Uh, it was very difficult uh, to go to Montreal leaving my you know, my junior high and high school daughters uh mm-hmm you know while while I went went north and it was a lot more difficult you know on my wife who had to you know do double duty you know be a wife in Montreal and and be a, be a mom in in uh in Raleigh during during the the CFL season but we were able to work through it yeah it's a little bit different now my daughters are grown women so we're we're empty nesters it's a little easier to move and 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 uh and, and be a little more flexible with our lives so uh, we're, we're really we, we, we really are going to have fun with this we expect that uh you know our girls are going to have fun with it as well because they're going to want to come up to toronto and and hang out certainly and uh and we're just going to make it a, a a fun journey
1: you know as as a as a head coach in pro sports uh you kind of live the life i think as a as a traveling salesman so to speak you go from city to city from job to job and And, you know, it's, it's hard to uproot the family and to go through all that. Like, like you've experienced so many times at this, at this stage of your career, are you content now with saying, you know what, Toronto, the CFL is my home. And would like, do you close the book on the NFL or is there a never say never sort of approach or how do you see?
2: I don't, I don't, I, when I went to to Montreal, you know, my goal was to be the best coach I could be on one specific day and that I could walk out of, out of the building uh, each and every night and say I, every decision I made was in the best interest of the Montreal Alouettes. And, uh, you know, that's my goal in Toronto, just to, you know, as Davis knows, everybody has a vision uh, to win a great Cup, uh, where we'd be the master of the obvious when we say that. But at the end of the day, it's the plan, and it's the day-to-day preparation and work ethic to, to as, you know, as we talk about just to win the day, that's that's going to get us there and, and, and really nothing else matters and everything else generally takes care of itself from that. So I don't have any predetermined hypothetical situations that I would expect to happen out of this other than, uh, you know, going to work tomorrow, trying to get our staff organized, get get our calendar ready and, and all the things that are necessary so we can provide uh, an environment for the players that that, that that they can have, you know, individual and collective success.
0: Coach, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna let you go here because I know how busy you are. I just want to thank you for taking time to, to join us and, and again uh, reiterate the fact of how how happy I am personally that you're back in the league and how lucky the people of Toronto Toronto are to have you back in the CFL. You never know what's gonna happen here and, and and how this is all gonna turn out if if you're gonna turn things around in Toronto and and, and win a great Cup and and get bring football back. But I know this. That they can guarantee they're going to have a guy that's, that's uh, going to come be prepared. Uh, We'll have, have the guys ready every day. And we'll also bring that culture, that culture into the locker room of not only being a great football man, but a great man and a great leader of men. So uh, the, the city of Toronto and the Argonauts organization, extremely lucky to have you. And I wish you guys the best of luck coach.
2: Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure to be with both of you today. And, uh, We'll see you down the road. That's
1: Mark Tressman, the new head coach of the Toronto Argonauts. And Davis's old boss joining us here on the Waggle. And look, we have, I think, taken our kicks at the Argos organization and franchise at various points over the last few months and questioned them for their timing and the decision. Um, I guess there's the old cliche, good things come to those who wait. Davis, I think everybody in unison agrees this is a great hire from both a management and a coaching standpoint for the Toronto Argonauts, I don't know if you could find a better coach for the Toronto Argonauts right now than Mark Trestman. And look, he's he's your old boss, and I know you had a great relationship. And obviously, you can hear that in the conversation. He's got a ton of respect for you. You have a ton of respect for him. But I think Mark Tressman immediately comes into the discussion right away of the best coach in the CFL.
0: He's as good as they come. You know what? It's it's this is huge. For the for the Argos to get a guy like him, and of course pair him with Jim Pop, this is big. Uh, like you said, we've taken our we've taken our shots at the Argos. I, I don't think they've done everything right to this point, but I, I tell you what, it seems like they've taken that first step to right those wrongs by getting these two guys, two of the best football men this league has seen in the last I don't know how many years, decades. In Jim Pop and Mark Trestman, and if they're gonna turn this thing around, these are the two guys that can do it, and they could do it right now.
1: Okay, well, I mean, there's so many levels to to. I want to pick your brain on here. Uh, look, I I like the hiring Jim Pop. I, I like for this is a guy I, I you thought like, was,
0: you like the hiring.
1: I, I mean, this was a, a conversation we had months and months ago that I thought that Jim Pop would be a great fit for the for the Toronto Argonauts because of you look at this guy's pedigree and I look. I, I know a lot of people have taken shots at Jim Pop and I know it didn't work out the way he you know. And look, all the good things come to an end and it certainly did in Montreal for Jim Pop, and he had his Achilles heel with respect to coaching and I think with respect to the quarterback position he's addressed one of them in a major way with Mark Trestman I he doesn't have to worry about getting on the sidelines or not having to worry about it being a bad fit and after three games having to fire a guy or getting back on the sidelines again and again and again and again and again, and again that we've seen over the last few years but Jim Pop has got that he doesn't have to deal with that from a coaching standpoint Jim Pop also has uh, st- a stability right now at the quarterback position, which was his Achilles heel at the end of Anthony Calvillo's career, where he never found a proper heir apparent. And for the now, he's got Ricky Ray and Drew Willie. And the jury is still out with respect to Drew Willie. And depending on what they ultimately wind up doing to find an heir apparent, but at least they've got themselves some time with Ricky Ray. And we wrote off Ricky Ray a whole lot, but Ricky Ray becomes a
0: huge wild card in the sense that it makes, doesn't it make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. And you're right. We wrote him off and we thought that was the end of Ricky Ray's career because of his injuries and lack of uh, escapability. Mm. But, and so I never even I never even envisioned for a minute that Ricky would be the answer here. But it's weird because as soon as they as soon as he said it, as soon as uh, Tressman announced that Ricky and he announced it, there's no con- There's no quarterback controversy. You like the timing of it? I like it. I think it's a smart move. I think he's he's saying it right now. Get that out of the, get that out of the equation right now. He's saying, you know what? It's not a. There's no controversy. There's no quarterback competition. Ricky's our guy. He also said this guy's a. He does. He deserves the respect to to have that happen. And he also gives himself an out, saying, hey, we'll go through the off season and and the training camp, and that, that doesn't work itself out then that we'll see what happens then. But at this point, Ricky's my starter, there's no competition. That way he's given Ricky to say, hey look, you're my guy, here we go. But he's also said, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So really, he has still said that it's it's up in the open to a, to a, to a point, but it's Ricky's job basically to lose. But now you got a guy you know, in Ricky Ray who's gonna be motivated, who didn't have a good year last year or the year before, so he's motivated to come back. I think this will give a boost and, and some infusion into Ricky's life as, as a quarterback, when, when he sees the, the potential of getting a chance to work with a guy like Mark Trestman in this new regime of the Toronto Argonauts, I think this right now is going to really light a fire under Ricky's butt and, and gives Mark Trestman a guy who's a Hall of Fame quarterback that 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 can that knows his system already because he ran under Scott and has the ability to, to pick things up. As he's seen, there's nothing he's going to see that he hasn't seen already in the Canadian Football League. You
1: know, the other thing that I think this... He'll move, be motivated. Yeah, Oh no, no, doubt, no doubt about it. And Ricky looked in pretty good shape going into last year as well. He ultimately ran into some, some legitimate injuries that ultimately hobbled the team, or, or hobbled him, and, and, and said, in turn crippled the team at the same time.
0: We said going into the wagon last year at the beginning of the yep. season, we said that we said that Ricky looked as good as he'd looked in years. Yep. And that's what we heard going into camp. He looked as good, his arm looked as good, his body looked as good as he looked in years coming into last year. The... The move and the announcement
1: with Tressman calling Ricky Ray his starter, to me also protects Drew Willie, and in one Agree. breath, and in one breath Agree. you can kind of look at it and say, all right, it throws Drew Willie under the bus, it undermines him, and it, it hurts his confidence for a guy who we've talked a lot about Drew Willie and his confidence. But at the same time, this kind of buys him a little bit of time with Drew Willie to say, you know what, you can marinate a little bit because the way he you pump the tires of the legend and the and the guy who's on his way out at some point we know there's an expiration date for ricky ray at some point within the next year or two i'm going to assume so at the same time you give it to the leader you give it to the general and you let willie buy his time and if drew willie shows that he is a natural in this offense by the end of camp then hey it's a win if drew willie steps in 'Cause at some point in time, if Drew Willie can show that he is legitimately a guy who can start and be a winning quarterback in the CFL, look, Drew Willie's going with the new quarterback whisperer, right? He had Scott Milanovic, and ultimately they didn't have enough time to try to figure like, out that. He didn't relationship. like when you called him the quarterback whisperer, by
0: the way. <laughs> he didn't like that no, one. No. What did just
1: say? No, he didn't no. like that. No. It's the cornerback. I said the cornerback. No, he's... But, but yes. this one, and this, I mean, Drew Willie has an opportunity here to learn from one of the great quarterback minds, whether Mark Trestman wants to admit it or not look at the success you look at the, yes, success, yeah, exactly. look at the no, no. success that he has had with guys over the years Davis you've seen it front and
0: uh, He doesn't spit out Mark Tresman's not when he says that this is the thing too. Mark Tresman does not spit things off the cusp. He, this is well thought out and well planned what he said when he's talking. He didn't walk into the he didn't drive through the Tim Hortons drive through this morning and grab a coffee and decide he's going to name Ricky his starter. This has been well thought out, mm-hmm. well planned and like everything everything Mark Tresman does is well thought out. In this situation, he's doing exactly what you just said, James. He's he's giving the respect due to Ricky Ray, which which is deserved, and says, you know what, this is my guy. Let's let let's bring Ricky in as a starter. It mm-hmm. motivates Ricky to come back and know that he's got to be in shape to be the guy and not possibly the backup or or cruise off into the into the sunset as as a forty a year old guy. And it also, like you said, gives Drew Willie now. Drew Willie can sit back and say, okay, you know what, I got time now. The pressure's not on me. We everyone said this was the problem with Drew. Was is he gonna take that the right way
1: though? I guess yeah, that's the sure, one question. Sure.
0: Why, why wouldn't you? You get an well, opportunity. He's, Drew, he's been kicked Drew, around the last that's, that's year. That's fine, so. but Drew also Drew also is looking at a situation where he's a guy who people said the biggest problem was that he was the pressure was too much for him. He was he was you know not, not performing on the pressure or too much going on. He he looked like a deer in headlights at times. Yep. All these things are the things you hear you hear. It wasn't totally. picking up the offense. All these things are what you hear. Now all of a sudden, he's, Drew sits back and says, Okay, I got a guy who is known Known to, to help great quarterbacks or build great quarterbacks, I can sit back and learn the system. I don't got to learn it in the next three months or four months. Mm-hmm. I can sit back and learn it. I can work on my craft from with under with the tutelage of one of the best. And and now I got and now I've got a chance to kind of resurrect my career. This is perfect for Drew Willie and it's perfect for Ricky Ray.
1: And as long as Johnny Manziel isn't signed, Drew Willy could totally be the guy, right?
2: Johnny, Johnny Manziel. <laughs>
1: That's right. Do you think, no, but do you not think, I I think the Johnny Manziel conversation makes a ton of sense on so many levels in Toronto, uh, a market that is renowned for the big shiny toys over the years. And you look over the history over the better part of the last 45 years or so, you know, from whether it was Joe Theismann, whether it was Rocket Ismail 25 years ago or longer, uh, whether it was Ricky Williams, you could throw in, you know, the Doug Flutie move from, you know, twenty plus years ago. The Argos have always needed that sort of star power to, sure. to sell that it team to get them over too. the top. And yeah, Johnny, Johnny Manzel is a you know, he just brings that
0: sort I of I don't want to talk about I don't wanna talk about Johnny Manzel. Unless he's here, if he comes here, then let's talk. But I don't want to talk about Johnny Manziel. Okay, he let me throw all, it. Okay. He gets all this publicity. He's a, he's a total bust. He was a total bust in NFL. Mm-hmm. He he had all these opportunities and threw them away by partying and being a jackass. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give him any more of our airtime, any more of our conversation in this league. Until uh, if he comes here. If he comes here, I'll be happy to have him here because I love his uh, talent. Okay, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about humor, it. I don't humor, hear about
1: humor him no me. Okay, humor me. On this. I don't Last want to hear thing. it no more. Last thing, I want humor me on this. one Go month. sign some autographs in a, ra- Vegas, ra- in a Vegas mall, Johnny. Who, who would you rather take a chance on then? If you're going to bring somebody Johnny, to camp, Vince Young Johnny, or Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel. Hey, <laughs> thirty-three-year-old
0: Vince Young let, or thirty-four or soon to be. ball, c ball. Let's be fair now. Yeah. I did say I'm sick of hearing hearing his name, but yeah. I also will say uh, let's let me go on record right now. I think he'd be a very good CFL quarterback. He yeah. fits what he what Johnny Manziel does well fits for the Canadian oh, Football League. He's a, he's a backyard playground, makes make, yeah. make stuff happen. He's he throws good balls. He's he's a, an athlete. He's tough. Johnny Manziel fits. I just don't. I'm just sick of. He had enough. He's had enough chances. I don't want to talk about him no more until he. If he signs up here, I'd be happy. i be. I think he'd be great for the league. Um, one thing I've always been curious about, and we
1: always hear the debate. I think from amongst broadcasters and and media types. But from your in your opinion, because you also played basketball at a pretty high level, playing alongside Steve Nash uh, provincially in, in British Columbia. But tell me this. How many wins is a good football coach or a quality football coach good for? Does that make sense? Yeah. To me, I look at football when you, if you want to look at the four major North American sports, basketball, football, hockey, baseball. To me, I feel like a coach has a greater impact with respect to football more than any other Of those sports. I agree. I would say basketball, maybe a number two. And then uh, hockey to me is too fluid. A good baseball manager, a good tactician can ultimately help you along the way. But to me, I think football first and foremost. But what do you think? The difference between a a great coach and a mediocre coach?
0: How many wins could you could you could you ballpark so, it? So in a in an eighteen in an eighteen game season, yeah. I think you could. I think three or I think three or four. I think you could go. That I think it goes more much as three is four. And wow. I'll tell you what, Mark Trestman is that. I'm I'm the one. I might not be the right one. Actually, I am the right one because I've been I played for a lot of coaches and I played I played yeah. for a lot of defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, head coaches. I played in a couple leagues, and I will tell you right now, Mark Trestman hands down is the best coach I've been around and that and that being said uh, I I just want to point out
1: you played you played with Chris Jones, Dave Dickinson, right. Wally you played with, you
0: nah, know, Scott but I have,
1: you know but in different be, capacities. To fair, I've, been, I've played
0: with all those guys, but none of those guys has a head coach, to be fair. Okay. Chris Jones, not yeah. a head coach. Dave Dickinson was a teammate of mine. Yeah. That's not the same. But Wally, I, I, had had a been, coach. I've been around Wally, but I was with Wally for one season yeah. and, or two seasons. But I'm not, and that's not to take away anything from these guys. Yeah. I'm just, I just, the preparation. But that's a lot but, of respect for Mark and It is, and it's, and it's not, I'm not, I'm not saying this, this is not to, this is not to gas anything up or to, or to, 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 to hype up this hire. It's factual. And I also play for Marty, Sch- Marty Schottenheimer, and he's a very good coach as well. But and Mike Riley, who was a Mike Riley great coach as well down that. there. But I'm saying that Mark Trestman, the t- attention to detail that this man comes with every day at practice, I'm telling you, he's he's detailed down to the second. He puts in the amount of work. Like I knew as like a what? player. Okay, like Okay. So example, I come. In, we come into a meeting room in the morning and before practice, and he come in. And some coaches will sit there and they'll talk about the day. Okay, we're doing this at this time. Then we do break for this. And hey, we got uh, we're playing uh, Calgary this week, and we're gonna travel this time. And you know they got a good. They got Bo Levi Mitchell. Yada yada yada. No, Mark Tresman would come in. He has a little. He carries around his little notepad that he flips over and writes down every everything he sees or hears. And he comes in and he'll nail down. When he calls them. He calls them bullet points, and he'll give you three bullet points. Boom, boom, boom. And these, <clears throat> excuse me, that boom knocked my throat out. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you that he comes with this, and it's it's so as a player, you, it was so well thought out. You knew that when he when he came with these points, that he had thought about. It. He had looked at the previous week's game and pulled something like, how did he where did he find that? Or he'll pull up the game you played before against the team and saw this. Like he finds things and. It's just he's he he's so detail oriented, and he talks about the locker room culture. Okay, let me give you a little story here about the type of man that Mark Trestman is, and he talked about it in his press conference today. For those for those people that heard, if you didn't hear it, go back and just listen listen to him. He's pretty he's pretty good, and what, he talked about the, the character of men. And mm-hmm. you know, and every coach—that's coach speak. Oh yeah, I like to build men first, and build build good young men first, and you know, and then you know that makes a good football team. Or you yeah, had good character guys. I think it was Belichick that yep. said, Belichick that said the talent is the talent is the uh, is talent is the, is the ceiling. Uh, the character is the floor. Meaning that you have to have character, or uh, vice versa. Actually, talent yeah. is the floor, ceiling is the char- is the character. Meaning that you have good character guys, and you have a mm-hmm. chance to win. But but my point my point is this. Mark Trestman says that as well, but when he says it, I'm telling you, he means it. He he makes sure example would be uh, on a in the locker room. Mark Trestman, if you have guys will leave tape on the floor in the locker room, and he he brought that example up of uh, guys leaving their their stuff around, tape on the floor, Gatorades on the floor. He wants every he feels like the guy that's sweeping up the floor in the locker room is just as important as the president of the team. But he treats people that way and he expects you to treat them that way. And it's not lip service. He wants he thinks that if you left your, your tape, the you roll up your app your tape up from your ankles and you left your tape on the floor for the for the, the locker room guy to clean it up, that's as that's as disrespectful as showing up late for a meeting with the head coach. That's how and that's how he runs his ship and that's how that's how he expects guys to handle their business, and he lives that way, and he expects you to handle that way, and that being tight ship, then t- tight ship. But in, but you feel the love though. It's it's all it's all he. Th- this man wrote a hand. I never even said this in the interview. I never even brought this up. He wrote a handwritten letter to my mother one time. He met my mother at the stadium after a game one time, and he and he talked to her for a few minutes, and a week later. I get a handwritten letter, not a not a not one from his secretary that he signed. Yeah. a handwritten letter. My mother calls me and tells me that he just got a letter from the Alouettes from Mark Trestman, a handwritten letter telling telling my mother that it was a pleasure to meet her and you know some good things about 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 me. And my mom was just like, "What? Like this man took the time to write a handwritten like you know, not just a quick in a little, day in
1: email." And I don't mean to be and yes. I, I don't mean oh. to be cheeky on this, but. There is something to be said about somebody giving you a handwritten note oh, um, in, in yes. today's day and age in the two thousands in a day where we send an email or a text nobody gets it. nobody nobody yes. uses the mail and nobody uses no, mail anymore you know I mean there would be a perfect opportunity to save your back of your mail carrier fine. but you're right that, that is sincerity
0: but you buy as a, as an organization this is why I think it's so great and this is that's fine and, and people by listening might say that's, that's wonderful Davis. But are we going to win football games? I don't care about his his, his handwritten yeah. letters. It's all about wins and losses. But he prepares the X's and O's of it like nobody. He can come into a defensive meeting room. He's an offensive guru. You know that he does. That's that's what he does. And he can walk into the defensive room and look at a linebacker and tell the linebacker, "Hey, you got coverage on the back. If he ta- if he wheels out the backfield, you got to be a, a, a yard a yard more inside if you want to get there and not get picked." He knows that he knows everything because he takes the time. He's meticulous to details. His attention to detail is crazy, and so he puts in the work. And then he also so puts in the work. He's extremely sharp, and then that that family atmosphere that he brings. He and he doesn't just talk it; he preaches it, and the guys will buy into it because they'll see what they'll see what he brings, and they'll buy into it as a culture in the Argos organization, which is what they need. Uh, defensively, how do you see things playing out from an Argos standpoint? Yeah, defensively, I, I, I'm I pretty much I feel that what I've heard and uh, and what I uh, kind of see shaken up is I believe I believe Rich Stubler will be out as a defensive coordinator. I just don't I just don't see uh, a guy at this point in his career, Rich Stubler, working uh, for Tress. I, I feel more like a younger a younger coach would be more suitable. Uh, Tressman is is a I won't say a taskmaster, but he's definitely a guy that wants things done his way he's yeah. going to control it and he wants it done his way and he's and you know for I know guys who have coached for him and and it long hours and high expectations and when you're a coach of you know Rich Stubler is a Hall of Fame coordinator in this a long league time. He, and he's got yes yeah, so he's a Hall of Fame guy he's been around for 30 some odd years he's a guy who's not i don't think going to want to have to you know fall under what Coach Trespin wants his, day, expectations. his day-to-day expectations. I don't think are realistic for a guy his age and what he's you know achieved in this league. I think it's better for a young guy. I've heard uh, Corey. Chamberlain Corey Chamberlain has been reached out. I've, I've which heard that him. I'll tell you what
1: that yeah. to me makes a lot of sense yeah. on, on so many levels why, because why, and, and I'll say this because I think Corey should be appreciated more in the CFL for what he has done. He's not an old guy by any stretch, but nobody has wanted to give him a sniff. He was a head to coach back at like in the game. 32 years That's old it. or something. Exactly, and Exactly. And a winning head coach at yeah. that. And, you know, looked after the, and was in the highest profile gig, essentially, that you can have on the sidelines in the Canadian Football League, being the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And he's been essentially exiled from the league for the last. Now, I think some of that is to his own undoing. And his own fault, and no, his, he was no, his own worst no, enemy. No, no and question. I mean, you never talk about people
0: a fall from a uh, fall from grace yeah. as quick as Corey's, but that was he that was a lot of Corey's. People. That was Corey's wrongdoing for lack of it seemed as a lack of humility or a lack of yeah. understanding the people the people in Saskatchewan and, and and what they you know what they want to hear or what they expect, and that was you know. So he didn't do he, anything. it. Was almost like he he, he came he carried himself with an attitude, and I think if you talk to some people in
1: CFL circles that that encountered Corey. Uh, Late in his time with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it was almost like he had invented the game. And I think he, said he didn't get, care. To,
0: he said he said something to I don't oh. care what they do. Fire me if you want to fire me. I don't care. I'll find another another job. Like that type of attitude to the people in Saskatchewan who care so much about football. You cannot say things like, fire me. I don't care. Uh, anything, anything, to do it. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm. Don't quote me on that because I don't know if that's the exact quote. But something to that. To, to that reference of he doesn't care and he's not worried about being fired. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta tell people, he, hey, I love this job and I want to be here and I'm gonna make it. I'm right. I'm fighting for you. Yeah. Like I'm. Yeah. I'm fighting no, was, for you guys. Once uh, he the said captain that, he was, he, was and, he was done. And,
1: yeah. And and I think it turned off a lot of people. And to see where he's at now, I think to get back into the game, to get back on the sidelines in the CFL, I think to go under the wing of Mark Trestman might be a perfect opportunity because you know what? You give him a coordinator job and then what's to say that he can't jump back on board being a head coach if there's success there in Toronto. So to me, I, I think there'd be a, it'd be a great redemption story I think in the CFL for him to kind of Mend fences or build some bridges again.
0: Well, look at the um, rise, look at the rise of prominence. Look at the rise of prominence of him and, and he deserve and in fairness,
1: career, man, though. like you know, there's so many guys who had yeah. second shots oh, sure. that, that oh, didn't necessarily a- deserve it. So I mean, hey, look, even if he acted like a prick at certain yeah. points, and, and um, even what he did, James. what? His,
0: yeah, what he did was not that bad. He just was he was a little he, he said the wrong things around the wrong the wrong fan base. But that's not you know, yeah, he definitely deserves a second chance. For that is not that totally. big of a deal. And and like you said, he's a great young coach who at you know at 20 something years old. Was a was a defensive back coach and then a coordinator and then all of a sudden a head coach in his early 30s who obviously has got a lot of football left into him and was off to a great career so I, I hope he gets the opportunity to come yeah. back and I'm I'm sure he'd he'd be hungry and uh, and be would be good with with Tres. exactly and a guy who's motivated I think who, that's going to happen who'd be would
1: wi- be willing to do those long hours like you said in exactly. terms of w- willing to buy high in.
0: probability in in that in that high probability because right. at this point in time at this point in year this much time into the off season who else is available who's Got a resume like Corey Chamberlain, who is young and and wants to get back in the league. It's there's one person, and that's Corey Chamberlain. Corey Chamberlain, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I think I think that feels like a great connect the dots there. Hey, listen, before we wrap things up here on this week's edition We've of We Got to wrap it up already. This is such a time so flies when so you're having about. fun, right? Time flies when you're having fun. Um, we lost, uh, the CFL family lost a, uh, a legend, an icon, a pioneer, and a real trailblazer uh, This over the last week, and that was the, the late, great Bernie Custis, who yes. passed away at the age of 88 in a great run, and, and what a story. He was the first black starting quarterback in pro football, and was a remarkable story that in 1951, joining the Hamilton Cats after a standout career, at Syracuse University and think about how many great stories have come out of Syracuse and college stars whether it was Jim Brown or you know and, and so many other so many other stories along the way but here comes Bernie Custis he gets drafted by the Cleveland Browns and at a time where there were no starting quarterbacks that were black in the NFL at that time so what does he do head north young man and Bernie goes up north and plays for the Hamilton Cats. gets an opportunity to start and again, it's the Canadian Football League in so many levels that doesn't necessarily get the just due from around. And, and this country especially, I, I mean, we talk about Jackie Robinson and the opportunities that he had playing with the Montreal Royals in minor league baseball before finally getting that call with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And here's Bernie Custis playing for the Hamilton Cats, going on to win a Grey Cup, finishing his career in the CFL with the Ottawa Rough Riders in 1955 and 56. Goes on to a Hall of Fame career and and gave back to the community from a football standpoint, yeah. Davis, coaching junior football, university
0: football, college football. He's just McMaster Hall is also the University of McMaster. He's in their Hall of Fame. He's in Syracuse University Hall of Fame. Bernie Cust has touched a lot of people along the way. Amazing
1: what he did, the results. And, and that's and that to me, I mean, obviously, look, he had an impact as a pro football player playing for the Hamilton Ticats, but but giving back to the grassroots level, you know, the Canadian Junior Football League. That was a, you know, that was a league growing up in Ottawa. That was it was near and dear to my heart, and and he for him right. coaching the the Burlington Braves and and three championships for them in Ontario, uh, you know, to be able to do that and and then to go on to Sheridan for so many years, and and then stepping in at Mac, it was an overnight success. He went from seventh to first in in his first year with Mac, wow. and. It's just across the board. Uh, He was a CFL Hall of Famer back in 1988, so a tip of the cap. And, uh, you know, we lost two great ones here in less than a year, losing Normie Kwong, uh, who was a a pioneer and a trailblazer in his own right, and to lose Bernie Custis. uh, Gone, but definitely not forgotten.
0: The CFL, James, has, has, has been known. In the CFL, this league doesn't get enough credit, you know, for just for the, embracing diversity the way it has over yeah. the years and, and, and being inclusive. You talk about Bernie Custis, and you also talk about Catherine Reich, who who now in Montreal is the first female general manager in North American sports. Mm. Uh, you talk about, of course, Commissioner Orange, who just won the the he just won the African um, African Canadian Achievement Award. Yes, you're right, Commissioner Orange. for being for just being got the, acknowledged a couple of days ago. Exactly, like that, yeah. and he, for the first being the first in North American sports first black commissioner in in, in North American sports, and then, and of course the Canadian Football League also having the first now the first openly gay player the canadian football league has always been has always been uh, you know a place that uh, embraced diversity and 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 i think we, we you know we need to we need to recognize that uh, in along with you know with with bernie custis and of course uh, commissioner origin is it is a work you
1: know you're you're absolutely right and the opportunities and not even be even beyond from a diversity standpoint the opportunity that this league has provided from redemption stories for guys over the years, whether there was somebody who had a brush with the law that just had an opportunity for a second chance that the Canadian Football League has offered. And I know at times it's been a a polarizing decision in some way, shape, or form, but in the situation with respect to individuals like Normie Kwong, and now with the late, great Bernie Custis, and now even today in 2017, where in the last couple of years, Commissioner Jeffrey Orridge, it's The CFL is still changing the game literally and and breaking down barriers even to this very day. So hats off to the late, great Bernie Custis. And you know what? Hats off. We should also impart to Commissioner Jeffrey Orge for receiving his award earlier this week. And congratulations as this league continues to celebrate and embrace diversity across so many different levels. That'll do it for this week's edition of the waggle don't forget if you aren't subscribing yet you can find us on itunes it's free it goes right to your tablet and smartphone each and every week it drops on wednesdays you can always find us as well as you know on cfl.ca but in the meantime and in between time as a late great ed whalen would say see you next week Bye.